Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women. Their voices and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine D'Agostino, a passionate advocate for the empowerment of women and girls everywhere and the founder of SayItForward.org. And I'm Yodit Kifle-Smith, a creative dedicated to making sure the voices and stories of women are heard. I have the privilege of working with Sharon on SayItForward.org to do just that. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. We are excited to have Jamila Hamad joining us today from her home in St. Croix in the Caribbean Virgin Islands. Jamila was born in Colombia from a Colombian mother and a Palestinian father. At age 12, her family migrated to the U.S., and Jamila set out to learn English, get a college degree, and pursue a corporate career in marketing communications. She accomplished all of those goals and then walked away from it all to become an artist. Today, she lives on St. Croix in the Caribbean Virgin Islands, and she creates art quilts and mixed media works that celebrate the spirit of the sea. Jamila, welcome, and thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you both so much for having me. It's a true honor. I'm a listener of your podcast, and I so enjoy the stories. And to have the opportunity now to tell my own is is just wonderful. So thank you. I'd like to ask you about moving to the U.S. from Colombia when you were 12 years old, because that is a challenging time for all girls. So what was that experience like for you? My father was already living here, but my mother and my siblings, we all arrived not knowing how to speak English and not knowing anybody and just trying to find our way. In the time that my father was alone here, he became an alcoholic. So we arrived with no support system and then a very difficult family situation. I found it challenging to fit in, but that looking back now as as an adult, I realized that that's always sort of been the story of my life because in Colombia, to be named Jamila Hamad, you don't quite fit in. And there was always the thought that we were going to migrate. So my mother's side of the family was there, but my father's side of the family lives in the Middle East. I couldn't really feel like a Palestinian either because I never learned the language. I never learned Arabic. Then we moved to the U.S. and I didn't feel like an American. It was very difficult. What I did was decide that I was going to learn English and that I was going to go to college. That was my goal from age 12. And I bought a dictionary. And the first year I carried that dictionary with me everywhere. I looked up every single word that I didn't know, and I did every homework assignment. I translated from English into Spanish, did it in Spanish, and then translated it back. Now, looking back, I can see it was my escape uh, from all the other issues that were going on, but it was also my way of finding a way out for me. And I did. I learned English. I, in high school, I actually graduated in the top 10 of my class, of a class of 400 students. None of it was easy. 
were so resilient also at that age. And I didn't quite belong in the U.S. among, you know, the American kids in my class. So I always sort of just stood out somewhere in the middle. But I never saw that as an impediment. I actually saw it as a wonderful ability to relate on some level with all of the cultures I was in so that it actually gave me an opportunity to enter into any situation and find a common ground that I would have rather than feel like the alien kid or the, you know, the one that didn't fit in. Now, looking back, I can see that it was actually a great learning experience. I came from another country. I came from Ethiopia at the age of five. So it was a younger age. But one of the things I've learned is, especially when you are immersed in another culture, but your family, may, your you know, parents may not speak the language. It's really hard to sometimes find the support that you need when you're setting out to do these things. Because it's not like my parents understood the workings of the school system and things like that. So for you, as you set out to learn English, as you set out to immerse yourself, what kind of support did you feel like you had and how did that impact you? Looking back now, I thought that I had to figure it all out on my own. I didn't realize that there was more help available to me than there was. Mm -hmm. And it came home very, very strongly when I was graduating from high school and, you know, they assigned the people that were, sorry, this is making me emotional, <laughs> even all these years later, you know, they, they named all the kids that were in the top 10 of the class. And so I was one of them and it was very surprising, but then they listed all the scholarships that all the other kids had been awarded. And I sat there. And I, I didn't get a single scholarship because I didn't know that those scholarships were available to me. And I needed it more than most of those kids because we had no money. And I knew I was going to go to college, but I had no idea how I was going to pay for it. So for me, it was just like, whatever it takes, I'm going to do this. And so looking back, I wish I had known that there was more help I, because I know that there would have been, but I, I didn't know that I could go to a school counselor and say, you know, I want to go to school, but I have no money or I want to go to college, but I don't really know how to do this. I have no idea because nobody else in my family has ever been to college and I just had to do it all myself. So I did it just through sheer hard work and just going out there and finding information. There were a couple of teachers that were very kind and they gave me enough information that I could pull it off. But now I know that there would have been a lot more if I'd known and I, I didn't. So that was one situation where I wish I'd known <laughs> that I could have asked for help. It wouldn't have been as difficult as it was, but I still pulled it off. So in the end, it's a, it's a big victory for me. Yeah. So Jamila, thank you so much for sharing those early challenging years where you absolutely blossomed. I'm choosing that word. You were successful in school, you were successful in college, and then you had a successful career in the corporate world. 
And you made an incredibly courageous choice to say, I'm leaving all of that behind because my passion right now is art. Tell us the story of that decision. When I started working and I got a corporate job, I worked really hard. And so I started getting promoted and getting more and more responsibilities. And I could just see that there was a whole lifetime of corporate life ahead of me. And at the same time, I would go home feeling completely hungry, (laughs) Uh, not physically, but soul hungry. (laughs) And I would go to an art gallery and see an exhibit and I would walk out in tears because I so wanted to be like the artist that was in there. After work, I would sign up for classes, for art classes. And I taught myself, you know, I, I, I many techniques, but I also just started going to night school to learn about all the different creative things that I could be doing, creative writing, you know, poetry writing, art, ceramics, painting, whatever. And that was the only place that I could feel that I, I was home. If, if I say that, nowhere in the world do I feel like I fully fit in. Doing art did feel like home. Because I've already had the experience of kind of going against the grain, like going to college, coming from two families that are very religious and are very conservative in their own cultures. You know, women are, we're supposed to basically be mothers and the heavy lifting of going out to get a career and all that it's left for the men to do. So early on, I, I really started to forge my own path just by declaring that I wanted to go to college and that I wanted to have a, a working career, that I wanted to be a working woman and all of that. So going against the grain, choosing to do what I wanted to do, ultimately, that wasn't the first time that I did that. By just the act of going to college was actually an act of independence on my part. Having to always rely on my own, on myself, on my own resources, on my own intuition to decide what it is I, I wanted for me was really, really important. And, and that was what I chose to do as the years went by. And I remember there was, there was an older man that was a coworker and I was talking to him one day and he said, you know, all those promotions are great, but you have to be careful because if you get really entrenched in the comfort of, of having this kind of lifestyle, then it's going to be that much harder for you to get out of it if this is not really what you want to do with your life. And I remember I got chills from it and it really resonated with me. And I think that was a big turning point in me that I really needed to consider if I wanted to stay on that path. So take us on that journey from that conversation that started to kind of give you a a moment of clarity. I started looking for ways to really connect with my soul path. And I started to meditate and I found a wonderful meditation teacher 
that really helped me to take the idea of meditation as an opportunity to really connect with my inner truth. I really just became uh, devoted in the idea of turning inward because that's what meditation does for me. It helps me to go to that still small voice, that little voice that says, well, what if you go this way? What if you do things this way? And what happens to most of us is that everybody else's agendas, you know, all the programming, like our parents, our spouses, our, our bosses, you know, that say, well, you should be going this way, the shoulds, they all kind of crowd that little voice. And I found that through meditation, I could create a space for it. I could really go there and get a real sense of what it was that I wanted that was, that was true for me. And so that was, I think, the most important thing that I've done for myself in my whole life. And what came out is that I really wanted to write. And so I began to write a novel. And then it just the feeling became so strong that I wanted to quit my job and become a freelancer and to be able to write. But then I went to an exhibit of art quilts and it was like a bolt of lightning hit. And I was just completely blown away by what I saw. And I knew that that was really where my creativity wanted to go. So I kind of put writing aside and just really went into art. I started, you know, making quilts. I started to teach myself how to, how to do all that. And I was just absolutely in love with it. That was around the time that telecommuting was more common and, you know, was becoming more mainstream. And my husband and I were invited to come here to St. Croix for a week. And we both loved it. And we said, why don't we live here? And a friend of ours said, well, that's just because you haven't put it in your consciousness. You haven't allowed the idea that you could live here in your consciousness. And it was so true. We enjoyed the vacation. We went home. My husband said, why don't we just sell everything and move to St. Croix? I said, okay. So <laughs> we did. Everything just kind of fell into place. It's sort of like when you know, when you just connect with that, that inner part of you that says yes. And you just don't don't let fear get in the way, but just just go with it and really hold down to what you know. Just the universe truly does conspire to help. And that's what happened. Everything fell into place. And a year later, we were living here and I was still learning how to make art quilts, you know, how to how to be a full time artist. When I came here and I looked at the sea. I realized that I was going to find a lifetime of inspiration in the sea. And I absolutely loved the majesty of the sea, the energy of, of the ocean, everything about it. So I made a commitment to myself that I would be an artist and that I would dedicate myself to celebrate the beauty and the majesty of the sea. And I've never looked back. I'm curious, you know, how... How can we all encourage other women and girls to confidently use their voice and claim their power? We can remind every woman that there is 
a still small voice within every single one of us that knows the absolute truth about who we are. You know, we may call it soul, we may call it God, we may call it our intuition. It doesn't matter what we call it, but there is that place that to me is home. And we are not really taught about that place in school, in our society. So we have to claim that place for ourselves and we have to give it the space because there is so much noise. There is so much distraction in the world that will take our attention away from that voice. But if we are willful about creating a space within us that we can go even for just a couple of minutes a day, just take a breath, close your eyes and just go within. And the more you do that, the more that truth is going to begin to come out. And when we make a connection with that truth, we become unstoppable. It reflects in our voice. It reflects in how we move, in what we do. To me, it's the simplest way. We don't need to go anywhere. We don't need to go seek it externally anywhere. We just have to close our eyes, take a breath and go within. And if we find it, it's our greatest tool and our greatest power. Thank you so much, Jamila, this time with you and just hearing parts of your story, just to see the power of determination in your life and just being able to take a leap of faith and be met with incredible opportunities on the other side because you took the time to just be still. Then to our listeners, thank you again for making the time to listen to this episode of the Power of Stories podcast. It was so lovely to be with you and to share some of my story with you. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jamila. Your stories are very inspiring. And I am especially moved by your advice to all of us to, to stop and to connect with the still small voice within us and connect with our truth. Yodit, as always, I am so grateful to you and for you <laughs> and for the work that we get to do together. And we also thank Lisa DeJavine, who is the co-producer and editor of the Power of Stories podcast. Jamila, Yodit, Lisa, all of our listeners, thank you very, very much. And to our listeners, we invite you to visit sayitforward.org, a place where you are welcome to share one or more stories about your unique path to empowerment or you can read the stories of other women and girls. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino and Yodit Kifle-Smith signing off for now and hoping you'll join us for our next episode of the Power of Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we do hope you'll give us a review and recommend the Power of Stories to a friend. And lastly, we want to remind you of the power of your story.